Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Unfortunately, my co-host is out of town looking at his wedding venue in North Carolina. So Okay. All right. Uh, and uh, he's the one who just got in at uh, Street Fighter V, of all things. Ah, That's, okay. Like, he's the mythical newbie that they actually caught. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of money being spent on him. There's a lot of design <laughs> and purpose being put towards making sure that he specifically will have a good time with this product. Uh, yeah, just, you know, 25 years of being like, hey, I remember. I remember Ken. That was cool. Then he forgot about it. And now Street Fighter V is legit his jam right now. Yeah, that's that's really great to hear. I, I, I mean, it's, it's every time a new fighting game comes out, like there's so much effort put towards trying to get that, again, that mythical newbie, you know, trying to get somebody um, that's that's familiar or at least seems like it's it thinks it's interesting but is not too afraid to like dip their toes in the water it's it's just so weird to me because you know everyone talks about uh fighting games as this combination of you know uh chess and magic the gathering and everything else in between that like mm -hmm. all you know basically all the games that they you know try and explain fighting games as are games that are hundreds of years old and have had so long to be refined and like, it'd be yeah. weird if they were just releasing patches that are like, okay, new nerf, the queen cannot move diagonally anymore. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, absolutely. It's interesting in the in one way because um, to some degree, the basic concept of two characters moving in, in a two, on a two-dimensional plane and then you have jumping and crouching and standing states is, it's all, it, it, there's games where they feel like they've solved it, right? Like uh, I think Street Fighter II Super Turbo for a while People felt that that was a solved game because it it had sort of hit its peak. What was but the what was the dominant strategy of Street Fighter Two Turbo? Just just because I missed that well, entire wagon. So it, it so it, it basically was like uh it it came down to a handful of characters that were very very strong and Sagat and uh, Balrog were two really really powerful characters. Um, you know Sagat had the ability to just shoot those tiger shots and keep you out. Oh yeah. Uh, and Balrog had the ability to rush in and stay on you and basically force you to guess in a sort of rock paper scissors exchange every time he got close oh man and, i could have told you sagat um, was overpowered with that fireball spam back in 98 yeah yeah <laughs> and and that just kind of that evolved into this form where because you're making the chess analogy and and so uh a lot of the things that uh people thought they solved back then it turns out there's new technology being invented as of last year, some people are finding new things, and like there's a uh, this incredible like young player that plays Fei Long that showed up and started doing 
some new stuff and it was like <laughs> really incredible to watch you know or like we thought we solved this we thought we figured this out and it's like no there's still more here there was just um, some poor so nerd fighting playing... games in general are, are something that i think can last a, a while uh because yeah like you said chess has been around for so long these games have been around and and figured out but there's still a, a um as long as you're playing against someone else's mind someone else's you know strategies you're always going to have a counter to the counter to the counter. Hey, welcome to a bonus episode of Wizard and the Bruiser. Uh, I am your wacky wizard, Jake. And uh, hey, I, I don't know if you recognize the na uh, the voice on the other line, but uh, you're Wooly Men of the Super Best Friends Conglomerate concern yeah concerned uh <laughs> we we go by zaibatsu it's, we like that as a term because zaibatsu is a japanese sort of megacorp and it sounds pretty cool oh okay i'm uh my girlfriend makes me watch a bunch of k-dramas and there's always like megacorps involved in that but. yeah yeah we're uh we we go by many things but yeah super best friends play tends to be it hi thank you for having me um just gonna get this out of the way uh this is pretty much commonplace in your life right now but i've heard you speak for hours upon hours of my life and you've never talked to me before ever so just try and bear with that weird disconnect okay Will do. Yeah. Um, so we're covering Street Fighter for uh, our, our, our flubbing, uh, flailing attempt at a history podcast. And we hit uh, basically the release of Street Fighter 2. And uh, there's, you know, a lot of uh, there's a lot of like big characters that we've kind of introduced our audience to. Uh, a lot of times when we talk about um, Japanese devs, it's almost kind of like amazing how straight laced and like kind of direct and and kind of boring these guys are compared to, you know, we did a story about like, uh, like the, we did a story about from software and it's just like a guy went from it to creating a berserk <laughs> epic RPG and just like was a professional about it. And then, you know, you cover mm -hmm. a company like naughty dog and it's just like cocaine nineties money for days. But, uh, <laughs> right, right. Those early, those early, uh, Capcom guys are like, they're freaking, they're characters, man. Like these are, these are not your like straight laced dudes. Uh, so like, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, there's all these like, you know, stories you hear about, like, I mean, even the, one of the funniest ones being, uh, final fight as a franchise being entirely an accident because somebody said, make a street fighting game. And someone at the company thought they meant literally fighting on the street as opposed to the title they released a couple years before called Street Fighter. Like, <laughs> there's a bunch of weird, wacky Capcom 80 stories out there for sure. Oh, wait, wait. Uh, wait, Final Fight or Fatal Fury? Final Fight. Okay. The, uh, the series with Hagar, Cody, and Guy, the beat-em-up. Oh, 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 I'm the sorry. Side-scroller? I, I mean, I know it better as Street Fighter 89, but okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah, okay. I guess we Just, can yes, exactly. That, 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 that exact problem right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, I, I guess at this point, and so there's guys like, uh, uh, guys like Akira Nishitani and, uh, Takashi Nishiyama, who I guess went off to SNK, or like uh and uh who oh who else am i who's the guy who's the guy that pranked everybody god i should have had all my notes out by now uh but uh like james and over in america james goddard who like had to like fight tooth and nail to get turbo out the door like is there absolutely yes uh d james he's 
I, I'm, I can say we've, we've made friends over the years with him, and, and he's uh, regaled some quite a few great stories over on the Sure You Can forums about uh, working to get Super Turbo out the door, working to get uh, the speed into mm-hmm. the game, and in particular the character DJ as well. Like, there's a lot of fun stuff there. Now, do you have like experience uh, back during the coin op days of like kind of the the excesses of like you know people gathering around the Street Fighter machines, forming impromptu tournaments? Like, like what? Like, do you remember? Absolutely. Th- so, like, what's what's what was like the most intense moment of just. In, of of, uh, I of mean, impromptu so, like, competition. That, uh, w- the reason why I got into Street Fighter uh, to begin with was because uh, I grew up in a house full of uh, kids running around because there was myself and my brother and then a bunch of cousins. And like we were just this like rat pack of kids that would, you know, just destroy everything <laughs> <laughs> as we rolled around the neighborhood. And, and, and uh, th- one of the things when we came to playing video games was that we would we were allowed to go rent uh, games every weekend, but we couldn't rent anything single player because how are you going to keep seven to eight kids entertained with a single player game? So there was no Final Fantasy happening in our house. It had to be multiplayer. Mm. So like just based on that alone, what better game to pass the controller around every 90 seconds than Street Fighter 2? Mm. Um, it was it was a, a really like and just based on that, like I sort of got my my first you know, experience with just like, okay, competitive games playing directly against another person and feeling that. Um, but the back in the days, I, I, once I grew up a little bit more and, and I was able old enough to go to the arcades on my own, uh, I remember the crowd around me playing Capcom versus SNK1. And uh, I had for like the first time in my life a win streak going with Sagat and Blanca on my team. And uh, it was pr- it was a really good feeling to have everyone's quarters <laughs> up on the opposite side for once, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Uh, you you were the I bad got... guy in the uh, in like the poorly written '90s drama or whatever. Yeah, I, it it was, but it, like I was so used to being the kid that like I stacked my quarter up, I tried, I lost, and then I went back and got more change. You know, that was how it went, and. For the first time, I had a good I had a good streak going, and people were coming up and being like, "Oh!" And like the one guy that was, you know, Al- Alex, our, our the king of our arcade, came up and tried and lost, and he got so upset. And I remember being like, "Wow!" Like, <laughs> not I've never Alex. Seen him get this angry. <laughs> it was because he knew that, like, usually he can beat me no problem, but this time around, I had him, and like it felt great to see the guy that usually destroys everybody take a loss and get salty about it. No, that's a real experience. That's like something that they're never you're never going to get that out of except maybe mm. with like the new wave of like dark soulsy like difficult for the sake of being an actual challenge. But like that feeling of triumph is not something I get while playing, I don't know, Agents of Mayhem or something. No, and it's and it's something there's something to be said about it's a live experience. The person's right next to you, the crowd is around you. This is happening with people's expressions, emotions, and everything right there. It's palpable. You can feel it. Or, you know, it's not uh, behind an Ethernet connection. You know. <laughs> so um, I kind of want to get into like the lost years for a lot of people. Uh, myself, uh, my co-host Holden. Uh, I feel like a, a lot of people after you know Street Fighter Two kind of came out. You would like maybe play a Marvel versus Capcom in the arcade. 
like you would uh, I was definitely one of those fucking assholes that would took a look at all the weirdos that they brought out for Street Fighter 3 and was like mm-hmm. uh, no I say yeah, the nay, yeah. incredibly well animated albino man. <laughs> this is too different. This is not what I'm used to. Yeah, yeah. How come I can't shoot an optic blast that fills the screen very easily? Right, right, right. So, like, in yeah, the- no, there, there's, there were some, but even before those years, I mean, before we got to the Street Fighter 3s and the Marvel versus Capcoms, like, there was an era of, uh, like, Capcom Street Fighter 2 games just trying to outdo themselves with like the Rainbow Edition hacks. <laughs> well, those you know, were those I, I were Taiwanese. Yeah, go ahead. Those were those were Taiwanese guys that were just trying to like cheat or just trying to like undercut the CPS uh, system at its core. Exactly, and and I remember walking into a, our arcade one time and seeing this ridiculous version where the characters were floating and Zangief was doing spinning like pile drivers through the screen and then changing into another character and it was madness you know and you're like okay what is happening here uh but like capcom basically was losing money to people buying these taiwanese boards uh of the cps uh of their of these clone boards basically and so the response was to try and release these updated faster turbo versions so we got hyper fighting as the first response to the uh the rainbow editions and, uh, and uh, hyper fighting, uh, since that was so you know, since you had you had World Warrior, which was the original eight characters, and then you had uh, Championship Edition, which gave you the bosses as well. Um, but hyper fighting as a response to those Rainbow Edition games was like where we first started seeing some weird moves, and they and Capcom actually took cues from those hacked games and gave Chun Li a fireball. Mm. You know uh, that, that a lot of that's ideas where Kikoken comes from. Sh- I, that's that's what I'm that's what I've uh, I, I'm, I've been told to believe that like the original of uh, Chun Li Fireball it was using her standing fierce animation <laughs> and then suddenly a yoga fire came out but it was blue <laughs> right and and uh, you know that look was something that a, the one of the early Rainbow Edition hacks had because they gave fireballs to everybody and they just did all kinds of wacky things you know you do a Shoryuken and like five Hadoukens would come out of your armpit. <laughs> um, but but Chun Li getting that fireball was something that like came from the hacks originally, and uh, then of course the animation got properly tuned so that it wasn't just standing fierce with a yoga fire, but a full on Kikoken. Mm. You know, the uh, I'm reminded. I think there was that video that went like, uh, I'm, there's there should be a word for like the kind of video game video from like a channel that you've never followed before and maybe never will follow again. But for like one week, it's just there in your sidebar. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. For uh, where they covered just the animation of Chun Li like doing the fireball attack in Street Fighter Three, I think, versus like how yes. she does it in Four, and like they made sure to like emphasize that like it's very tough for her <laughs> that she like oh yeah that she doesn't normally shoot fireballs, but if she really tries, she can do it, which is such <laughs> like that's such an anime thing, <laughs> like it's all about power levels and stuff. Oh, so one of my favorite things that I would do back in the uh, in the days is uh, me. My, my, well, back when I was working with uh, Matt in the QA days, early early QA days, we would uh, read. There was on GameFAQs. There was something called Tiamat's Plot Guide, and this is a really important document because uh, as far as Street Fighter lore and history goes, before any of the modern efforts and before Street Fighter Four. 
the only place that comprehensively put all this stuff together in English was Tiamat's plot guide. And to give you an idea of how important this, this FAQ was, it was the primary reference for the Udon comics that were coming out when they, when they first started the Street Fighter Udon comics. Yeah. So like this thing was kind of, there was some reverence to it almost. And, um, the reason why is because the sources that uh, Tiamat would grab were uh, these Japanese mooks, right? There were gamist mooks. It was a book magazine that would come out in Japan and oh, would tell God. you all about when you said details when... <laughs> about the Street Fighter characters, including how it felt to be hit by one of their fireballs. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Like, Wait. First of all, when you said mooks, I thought you just assumed that you had to go to like into a back alley and there was just like some tough guys that knew the score. <laughs> yeah. No. The, 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 there was a word that they used for book magazine. They called it a mook. Because <laughs> it's <clears throat> somewhere in between the two. And they would uh, release these things and they were they had this information about the characters that you'd never get anywhere else. Um and so uh, you, these are really hard to track down. And so the, uh, this guy, Tiamat, he got a lot of those and translated them. And then he got his hands on this fabled book called All About Capcom. That gave you, like, every single background character in any Capcom game had a page dedicated with some text about them. And that's a, originally where some of that poison controversy came uh, from. It's uh, 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 the Birdo of Capcom. If you're familiar with... Um, the poison the uh, uh, the transgendered character from uh, Final Fight or Street Fighter eighty nine. Yeah, uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you, Willie, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Wait, did they so, like, fit, uh, like? What's the current the, status the right now? What's Poison's current status right now? Poison's uh, current status is, I believe, still region locked uh, <laughs> transgender. <laughs> something something weird happens in the in the customs process when they bring it over. Yes. Exactly. All right. That's that's what I, I, I as far as I understand. But it seems like with with uh, Poison in uh, Ultra Street Fighter Four, uh, they and they spoke to various LGBTQ and mm-hmm. uh, um, groups to you know make sure that they were handling it correctly as opposed to the way it was back then. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but but the, the book just referred to her as a new half is what what the uh, the original wording was in Japan. But, but, but the point, I'm getting off topic. The point was kind of that <laughs> all of these books, these sources, they were really hard to track down. And this guy got them and they were put into this guide, the, the plot guide. And mm-hmm. so this thing has from Street Fighter 1 all the way down to at the time it was uh, Street Fighter 3 Third Strike. Everything about these characters and their power levels and, you know, like it, it, little details. Like I said, it, when you got hit with Sakura's fireball, it felt like a cool, refreshing blast. What's the description? Wait, do you remember what's... I've always wanted to know what it felt like to get hit with Ryu's Hadouken. Like, what's the official effect? I think it was just, like, a powerful, surging, like, uh, like warm energy. Mm. I think they kind of described it as. Uh, Ken was definitely burning fire. Okay. But Ryu's was kind of just, like, a solid, warm, like, impact. Okay, that sounds comfy. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's not what I imagined. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you, I mean, you look at it and you go, "Wouldn't all of these key things just burn?" But it's like, no, they 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 even thought about those details. But there's something yeah, primordial. There's, there's a lot of interesting facts out there that were, uh, you know, just kind of buried in these obscure sources that we that you had to dig out to find, the, the, and uh, we would just spend our days going through these and finding out little weird things like that. 
And so that's where your uh, your famous hypothesis that Oro is actually just the most powerful creature in the universe who's just like fighting just to like just to kill time <laughs> comes yep, from. Exactly. Oro being as unstoppable as he is because he's holding his arm back. <laughs> you know, that was uh, that that we're sourcing that back to the plot guide. And of course, the other being that um, Cody, uh, who has infinite potential <laughs> to be like one of the strongest fighters ever but he's just so bored and unmotivated that he won't reach that right <laughs> is is uh again like sourced there and i and the idea of um i just blame the lack of reputable dojos in metro city you know it's just it's about infrastructure it's about giving people the opportunity to unlock their hidden combat power hey i mean no one said hagar was a great mayor <laughs> took office but no one said he's doing a good job of it you know um honestly if yeah, bill de blasio in new that... york just personally started walking the streets trying to personally beat up every criminal <laughs> i would right? almost it would definitely help his image um and of course charlie being one of the strongest characters as well the idea with like he could like guile has to work as hard as he does to get a single sonic boom out with both hands and charlie can casually kick it out without a thought you know <laughs> Um, Matt's plot guide. It was it was incredible. It's the ultimate fantasy to punch someone without having to walk over to punch them. Yeah, basically, <laughs> it's just there's something very um, compelling about that. Uh, Oro, another reason why I looked past the Street Fighter Three machine and went, uh, okay, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with his yeah. three weird hairs. I, understandable, you know, but I mean, I was a child you know, I can't... when when it. No, we we all thought it was weird at first, but. When you give it a chance, it turns out you're like, hey, these guys are, these kids are all right. And then by third strike, you're like, these are my favorite, mm. you know. I mean, Dudley, um, Dudley's pretty badass. Oh, man. Dudley, <laughs> Q, Makoto, like that, that entire roster is, to, they're classics in their own right now. And I'm so glad they're finally there. Um, but yeah, back in those days as well, like, you know, you, you go post hyper fighting and you get into super and super turbo and, um, were you? Uh, did you ever look into the you know why Super turned out the way it did? No, um, not specifically. No. What's is there a definitive anecdote about this? So James Goddard, aka D James, the creator and father of DJ. Oh yeah, I know uh, about. He, yeah, I did know about DJ. The, yeah, he uh, he. One of the stories he told back in the day on the Shore Yukon forums was about how. Um, he was working, uh, you know, on the, the U.S. side of Capcom and um, uh, Akira, uh, I, mm, what is his last name? He's the founder of the company Arika. Nishitani. Um, He's the EX guy. That's in my notes. It says right here. Akira Nishitani. Yes. Dash, Nishitani, excuse the me. The EX yes, guy. So, exactly. So Nishitani um, then uh, basically at the time was uh, in, hyperfighting came out and it was doing its thing, but um the again they were Capcom was competing with these these uh Taiwanese clone boards right the rainbow editions and such and in order to like really fight back and keep up they had they want they wanted to make another version that was going to like absolutely um crush these hacked boards by introducing new characters new graphics and stages and really you know pushing it to the next level to show that like yeah there's no reason for you to go play that old hacked version of the game there's a very clearly new better one here um so that's when they started working on street super street fighter now the thing with it is that at the time uh people were so used to the speeds and the and the fast paced play 
fast-paced play of the hacked games and of hyperfighting as well that uh it was just the preference it was what the average player d- wanted when they went to the down to the arcades no it was and uh, james knew this because you know he was amongst that those people he, he was says getting, in getting the ground on it in the uh, kotaku but, thing he says basically like he played rainbow edition for like a few rounds and was like oh this is trash this is unbalanced well we have nothing to work like he wrote his don't worry guys we got this memo and was about to send it and then just for like a lark he played like classic street fighter one more time and was like oh no oh no my my hands have already adapted to the bright new world it's incredible the speed difference it makes you think and play in like if you 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 can still go back to it and do the test yourself like you feel like you're underwater when you go back to the days of round one (laughs) fight And you watch Ryu do a flipping, a jump forward, a hard kick, and you're like, will he ever land? (laughs) It was really slow. And you just weren't used to that until your brain, you know, just you saw the light, like you said. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and then you're like, oh, no, it's too late. Um, And so all the player base that, like, got used to that, to then return to something that was as slow as this classic was was a bad idea. And, And James knew that. Um. So, you know, there was an internal discussion and argument, apparently, about how, uh, you know, Akira Nishitani was like, no, no, we will keep things the way they are. There's a traditional way to do it, and it'll be fine. People liked the game for what it was. Let's no, they, stick by those guys. Those and, guys work their asses off getting that timing down and balancing it out and, like, you know, the, a lot of care. I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, a similar thing where you made something and you're super proud of it. And, you know, you were rewarded for that. You were told you were right for what you did. And then some fat American guy's like, no, nah, man, we need it more extreme. Well, you know, I, I, I mean. I say this yeah, as a fat American. But her, we, can, we can say I, that. <laughs> for what it's worth, right, that's, that's the story. And, and, I, and you can understand the pride that goes in. And I'll, I'll touch on that a bit more in a second because that pride does come into, like, you know, in future generations, you'll you'll see that like it hurts uh, street fighting games in a way. But, oh, but as far don't, as this don't drop that goes, thread, I want to hear that. They, yeah. But as far as this moment goes, they, they, their pride in their product and and the faith that no people will appreciate the thing that we made and the speed it was meant to be played. And James was like, "This uh, okay? Well, I tried. You know, <laughs> they just they just flat out refused. Super came out." The new characters were great. Everyone liked Cammy, DJ, Feilong, and T-Hawk. But the game was unplayable to people that were used to the high-speed action of the hacked versions. It was just like, it was underwater. And like, as predicted, people really didn't like it. And there was a backlash. And there was a, a huge, like, you know, uh, 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 drop in terms of like, Profit margins and things like that in the arcades when Super came out because people bought these new machines. Street Fighter was taking over the world. Every arcade owner would buy tons of Street Fighter machines without thinking about it twice because why wouldn't you? This thing just ate quarters all day. And suddenly it was eating way less because people were too busy playing the, the same old hacks. Yeah, you know, not only that, but Capcom the and their distributors were, they had an iron fist on these things. Uh, so yeah, you had to like pay your old debts just to get a hold of one of these machines. Like it was. They were not like they were not nice about handing these things out. You know, so you, you can imagine then, you know, what it was like to be an arcade operator at the time and see a new Street Fighter game somewhat struggling 
compared to the usual day in day out you know uh you're like popping in uh, what is it like a dollar every 60 seconds right like it was it was uh it was nuts to see the the, the it's not doing gangbuster suddenly and so um super turbo came out as a we're sorry <laughs> d james you were totally right we've got to speed this game up <laughs> version of the game and there was of course balance changes as well because there's a lot of weirdness and bugs and things like that that needed to be fixed and of course akuma came in oh akuma and, only came uh, in that at turbo became the definitive edition super turbo yeah super turbo is where that's because that's legendary that's like you don't get that anymore yeah man that that was the you know from the days of game pro magazine telling you about <laughs> shen long being an unlockable character if you uh did if you played perfectly for all games and then got a double perfect at the end and then it would go to a final round and then you had to get 10 rounds of draw time no, time overs and then suddenly Shenlong jumps in. It was a ridiculous rumor <laughs> that made no sense, but they made these sprite edits that made people believe it had to be true. He was the Mew you know? of fighting games. Mew, Mew, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, and then their Capcom was like, you know what, let's actually make that. Let's make <laughs> Shenlong. Let's do it. And they made Akuma. And uh, he came in and he took out Bison in the exact way that, you know, like the, almost like the legends were, were were describing it and he was unstoppably strong in that game he was the most broken thing ever so you mentioned another time that like the hubris and the pride kind of uh almost like broke the franchise do you remember where you were going to pick up with that yeah so it wasn't so much that it broke the franchise but it created a lot of ill will and frustration with little things little quality of life changes um and this is when we, if we fast forward to uh, the years post-2009 where Street Fighter 4 came out, um, Seth Killian was working for Capcom at the time as their kind of community, you know, outreach manager, representative, and and um, he kind of was the voice of the players, you know, and he would go back and forth between uh, meetings with J Capcom Japan and Capcom USA um, to, you know, kind of let people know, let them know what people were thinking and what they wanted and such. And... Um, one of the things that was always done over the years that was just like a staple and no matter what version of street fighter you played uh when it was a home console port when it came to setting your buttons you always had a list of all these functions so you had all the uh you know X buttons and then you had like a few combination buttons mm -hmm. like three punches three kicks and a few macros and you'd have to scroll through a list to set uh each button manually to what you wanted it to be on your arcade stick or your controller, mm -hmm. right? It's a time-consuming process that was really counterintuitive when we saw other games come along later on that were just like, Hit tap button. your buttons in order to get your configuration. Right. It's, it, yeah, it doesn't need to, yeah, that's how it should work. Exactly, right? It's so it's so obvious that it's standard fare now. But for, for many years, uh, it wasn't until... Uh, the uh, I think it was like arcade edition of Street Fighter Four that they implemented the touch to to set your button thing because they just did not want to ever change it from this old tried and true method of scrolling to select your inputs. Wait, did they have and, to? Do, wait, wait. Does that mean that like I, I didn't get you know Evo only kind of in the past few years kind of exploded in the post moment thirty seven explosion. But, like, does that mean every match that, like, I didn't watch back in the day had at least, like, two minutes of button assignments in front of it? You had, but absolutely had button setups going. I, I mean, 
uh, for you know, a game like Third Strike, not many people are changing their buttons, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're plugging in your stick, and most of the time you're getting the default layout. Uh, but it, that being said, there was still like anyone that did want to customize, you had to go through this long scrolling setup thing that took so much time, and it was. You know, uh, eventually you got fast enough to just be like down, left, 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 down, left, 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 down, left, down, left, down, 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 left, left, left. You know what I mean? And kind of, you know, the the movements, but was a waste of time when you think about it. And so what we ended up seeing was an issue where like people apparently like Seth Killian was being told, please tell them to make this touch to to set. You know, we don't want to scroll all the time. And they fought back against him so <laughs> aggressively, and basically, he told he kind of ended up going, uh, you know, there's no, like I, he's like I have a limited amount of time to have a discussion with them every week, and and when I do this, I can either talk to them about the button setups, or I can talk to them about new characters or something really mm. huge to the game, you know. And so uh, he kind of felt like you got to pick your battles, and I tried and I failed, and it just wasn't working with them. But eventually, again, competition came out that just kept doing it, and it got to the point where you couldn't avoid it anymore, and they eventually rolled it in because mm -hmm. it was a quality of life thing that just needed to exist. But the, but the hubris came from a place where they're like, we've done it this way for the last 20 years. Why should we change now? No? Yeah. Um, so we're actually, we're kind of, uh, hitting the home stretch of, uh, our very limited time. Uh, oh boy. Okay. thank you so much, by the way, for making time for us. Uh, I'm a huge fan. I know a lot of our listeners are a huge fan. Uh, so I guess, uh, is there any like hidden tales of the, of the FGC that definitely need to be told if we're gonna, you know, talk about 30 years of Street Fighter history, any like deep cuts or any like Ooh. famous interactions that like, uh, yeah, there, there's so so many, and I it it's really hard to fit it into this limited time. I mean, I, there's a million places to go, but one of my favorite mm -hmm. is anything pertaining to Street Fighter, the movie, the game, <laughs> real battle on film. Wait, is that the arcade version or the home version? Okay, well that's the thing now, right? <laughs> so you you got the the home version is the one that Japan tidied up and made actually somewhat fun mm -hmm. because it it really felt like Street Super Turbo. But the original arcade version made by Incredible Technologies was the wacky shitty devs always have names like that. Yeah, or the Dragon <laughs> Fireball. You're like you gotta, you gotta love that version of the game to really understand the wackiness of of that era. You've just, um, you've just set a bunch of Mame uh, emulators firing up that sound you hear in the distance as you mentioned. This. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and no, and so, and so some there's so many funny stories associated with that that came out over the years and uh it's funny because they still look at that and, and i remember uh, one of the things that a capcom rep said at the time was like people make fun of street fighter the movie but that thing grossed so much in dvd sales that it paid for a lot of modern capcom things that you enjoy today you know so i was like wow okay you know god bless john claude van damme do your thing um but the street fighter the movie the game when they when it came to to filming the actors for the game that incredible technologies was making they all all the actors had to sign contracts that were uh basically saying you're going to be a part of the game as well as the movie when they signed on board okay everyone had a, a dual contract thing that that for, said that they, you needed to do this and um and that led to you know like so we got the the kylie minogue cami things but there was a lot of weird things that happened uh at the time such as like Faylong 
was a character that existed in the game, but only in the background because they looked at Captain Sawada, who was a, 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 a famous Japanese actor at the time, and they wanted to push him in America. So they said, we're not going to have someone like Bruce Lee outshine him. We're going to put him in as the, Fei, as the Fei Long replacement, and he's going to become a superstar from that. So they, like, like that's the reason why there's no Fei Long, but the Captain Sawada with his famous lift your hands up and rush the opponent attack or his <laughs> suicide stab. Um, and like, there's all kinds of cr- ridiculous stories, but one of the two of the best ones I'll, I'll leave you with okay, okay. are, uh, are T Hawk is not in the game simply because the actor, despite signing the contract was like, you know what? I want nothing to do with this stupid game. <laughs> and when they showed up to his trailer to film him for the game, he was gone. He <laughs> left. He just, he packed up and, li- and ditched town and then said, no way. Um, and of course, the last one was the character that they didn't make it into the game was Shenlong. They wanted the teacher of Ryu in the game, the, the original Goken, as it were. But since Goken never existed, they create- came up with their own version, which was going to be a man that was half dragon with an arm that was made of scales that was part dragon as well. And he was basically going to glitter and change between being a dragon and a man but using these primitive, like, screenshot actor mocap, uh, not mocap, um, uh, visuals. And they basically, I had a move list outlined for him that was the dumbest, most ridiculous thing we'd ever heard of in Street Fighter. And of course, thankfully, someone pulled the plug before that got greenlit. Uh, I was hoping you were saying someone found the code in the disc and I can put him in Mugen or something. Uh. Oh, man. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I picture a, a, an actor with a trogdor almost. <laughs> You know, like, it was terrible, but there was a full art write-up on how that went down as well. But yeah, that's some of my favorite stuff. Uh, I honestly do, I've been just, like, trying to read as many interviews as possible, and this blew my mind, uh, reading, like, an Akiman, Akiman, Akira Yasuda, whatever, uh, Mm -hmm. interview, and he talked about the reason why Vega slash Balrog slash Claw, you know, whatever, uh, you know, Rose Guy, uh, is the way he is, is um, when they were making the original characters... Uh, they basically just had a list of countries they wanted to include because they thought they had good aesthetics and good, like, you know, visual things they can, like, lean on and fighting styles that yeah. they wanted included. And literally, Spanish ninja were just the two left after everyone matched everything else. Because <laughs> otherwise, yeah, I never awesome. understood what the hell Vega was supposed to be. <laughs> and it's if you literally... Go back to... That's oh, awesome. Yeah. it's That was all <laughs> that was left was Spanish ninja, and they made him. When you go back to the art books, you see some of Akiman's art, and he drew up like some Spanish ninjas that were also part knight, part Templar, mm-hmm. and and it was unclear what they were going for. But yes, that explanation makes it all make sense. It's so like it's just yeah, just all these weird half compromises that have affected our lives. Oh, the the, the cutting room floor designs too. Like there was all uh, Blanca used to be just a black man in chains. <laughs> uh, it was really rough. There was a, a, a Dalsim was just someone dressed up as a Ganesha six-armed figure with an elephant mask. I still don't believe that <laughs> sketch. I think we all have seen that sketch, and it's there's there's it's too ridiculous. I it can't. It, I don't know how it got in the archives. It, it's from the book, man. It's from the book, you know. And of course, my all-time favorite, the bullfighter, bullfighter, <laughs> Zubaz, where shirt-wearing guy with his beard and rope whip, leather straps. 
well, all those spikes he's the best and and like never made the cut you know there's some some amazing designs back there and well you God made bless you personally made sure he got into several popular games so i think i, I think you've avenged his legacy oh i will put myself in the red pushing him <laughs> for the rest of time just just a poor bedraggled wife at a kitchen table just just picking up kickstarter donations being like we can't you can't keep putting him in games damn it we have a child watch me woman watch me <laughs> uh willie uh, let's let's plug some stuff although obviously uh you know you probably don't need it but you've been working on your own channel on youtube that's been pretty amazing uh what uh, t- tell us about that Thank you. Yeah, uh, you can go find that over at Wooly Versus. Um, I kind of don't really know what it is yet. It seems to be half shit posting, occasionally fighting game talk, mostly me not knowing what I'm doing. But if you want a wacky time, and I don't know, I promise nothing and deliver less. That's what we do. <laughs> but that's over on Wooly Versus. And then there's uh, our main channel, Super Best Friends Play, which is myself and uh, two of my buddies. We get together and make dick jokes over video games every day. And uh, yeah, I'm, I've been a fan for years and it's honestly uh, a pleasure to have this conversation with you. And yeah, uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, pleasure to be on your podcast. Apparently we're next to each other. Uh, I, I picked a really good day to show you that screen cap because we had just dropped our new episode. and I think you were like a few days off on yours. Uh, it's, That's it's, fun. Certain, certain days, the chasm yeah. widens quite a bit. <laughs> The super best friend cast and uh, uh yeah I, i'm i'm not sure what list that was but still good time itunes good time. games and hobbies see the only chart that matters someday gotcha. we'll both take down car talk <laughs> together let's do it thank you so much thank you pulling up to mickey d's just for drinks oh yeah that's me nothing extra just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, We've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support so you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.